It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Craig Klein. Craig is the founder and CEO of Sales Nexus, an integrated CRM marketing automation lead generation platform targeted for mid-sized and smaller businesses. Craig, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks, Andy. Great to be here. Well, thanks for joining me. And you're joining us from where today? I'm in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Okay. Right in the middle of summer. Um, yeah. Hot and humid today? Uh, well, actually, we're about to get a deluge, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah, we're, I'm in my New York studio today, and it's, uh, yeah, we've been hot and humid, and I'm hoping for rain as well for the same thing. Cool down a little bit. Yeah, exactly. All right, so maybe take a minute, fill out that brief introduction I gave. Uh, tell us about yourself, maybe how you got your start in sales. Sure, yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I was an engineer, actually. That was my education. And I spent about a year working at NASA here in Houston, right out of school, and I just hated it. <laughs> I hated the bureaucracy and just the, it just wasn't my thing. And so I... Um, Were you working on an interesting project, though? Well, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast, actually. You know, the, um, it was when they were sending up the shuttles about every six months back right. then, so, right. you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And... Um, they uh so we my group was responsible for the networking the computer networks in the uh mission control center so when the shuttles were in the air then we were on call we were in the mission control center it was fun that that part was very exciting uh but the 6 months in between flights <laughs> was extremely tedious <laughs> okay <laughs> fair enough so anyway, I I left there, uh, took a flyer, and and started a business with a friend of mine in the construction industry, and uh, that was kind of a disaster. I learned a few things sort of the hard way, but from there, I I uh, took a job in sales, kind of because I had to. I needed a job, right? And uh, uh, did really well, and uh, never looked back. Really, um, I started selling uh, computer controllers for. Um, car washes. So like as your car work moves through that, <laughs> that's very specialized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so these guys had a really innovative product that was kind of one of a kind. So uh, I was sort of right place, right time, uh, but did real well. And what was the value proposition on that? Well, you know, they, uh, it was really the first, first computerized way to control your car wash. So everybody else was doing it with, you know, analog, electrical switches and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So they were wasting lots of soap and water was the, the big thing. So, okay, so you were controlling the, the water and the soap. Was it controlling the pace of cars through it as well? No, no, that's a whole other, because that, that infrastructure or that equipment is very expensive to, to uh, change. So, you know, they didn't want to change that. Very cool. Okay. So when did you start Sales Nexus? Well, so I got I went from the car wash business into the energy business. So here in Houston, I worked for a couple of different energy service companies, and and um, 
you know, I always knew that I wanted to start my own business, but I didn't know what it was going to be, you know? Um, and I was just sort of waiting for inspiration to strike. Um, and then the, the last company in the energy business that I worked for, I had earned a little bit of equity and, uh, they were acquired. And so I had a windfall and it was kind of like, all right, if there's ever going to be a time it's now. Right. Um, and so as a consumer, I was a VP of sales, you know, and, and so as a consumer of CRMs, I felt like there was a way to build a better mousetrap. Well, what were you using that time in your work? Well, I had used ACT, you know, right. remember ACT? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I had used ACT for ages, you know, really when I first got started in sales. And uh, and then this was uh, around 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salesforce had just come out, right? So right. we had just recently transitioned from ACT to Salesforce and, you know, at the time, Salesforce was new and, and relatively immature. Right. Um, and so we just missed a lot of the rich functionality that you had in ACT. Um, uh, but obviously, we were benefiting from being online and things like that. And uh, so that was kind of the original vision was to we were actually the first company to offer an online way to have the total ACT experience uh, on the web. Got it. It's sort of interesting. So you, if you'd look back at today from today's perspective, given all this competition that's coming to the CRM space, yeah, yeah, would you have made the same decision about starting that particular company? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the the other part I didn't mention is that the other part of our vision was to mobilize the experience, mm. right? So in the very beginning, we um, we spent a lot of money and time developing mobile apps. And this is back, this is before the iPhone, right? Yeah, I was going to say, what were they running on? It was before even BlackBerry was that popular. The, the most popular uh, PDA, they called them back mm-hmm. then, was the, the Palm devices, right? Right, right. Yeah, and uh, so the Palm Treo had just come out, which was the first sort of uh, phone cellular PDA, right? PDA, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, so that's where we, we, we made all our apps work on that device. And, um, you know, it was, we were ahead of our time. There was no question about that. And then of course, once we got everything, um, working basically on that at the time, you know, it was somewhat limited infrastructure back then. Um, then Blackberry and iPhone really started to take off and the Treo just completely died. And we were, and back then porting mobile apps from one device to another, that was a, you know, it's like starting over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so what well, we, we made a strategic decision, which I, I kick myself every time I think about it. So thanks for making me think about it. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <but laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we decided to put the mobile part of things on the back burner and just focus on the web part of things. Um, which if we had stayed focused on that, obviously we would have been a first mover as the iPhone really started to, uh, come to the fore and, uh, God knows where that would have led, you know? Well, of course, yeah, from my perspective, I I don't see a lot of really powerful, broadly used mobile apps for sales. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, I mean, on the other hand, you might still be pushing a noodle up a hill on that because it's, you know, that's still to me, that's sort of the holy grail is what's, what's really that killer app for sales on mobile. 
Uh, you know, there's certainly, you know, we need, we need LinkedIn. We use that. We use, you know, Salesforce, other things that, you know, are part of CRM and so on. But it seems like we're still missing that, that real killer app that for sales reps that really help them become more productive that's mobile. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's tough, right? Because salespeople are salespeople. And the killer app for a salesperson is basically, you know, I just want to be able to talk to customers and do what I do. And somehow or another, through the ether, everything, all the data that needs to be collected about that conversation just ends up in the right places, right? Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, certainly if you could offload some of that, yeah, the bureaucratic, uh, you know, updating Salesforce, which, you know, obviously some systems do that automatically now, but yeah, more take some of that, but that that frees up time. At, at, to me, it's still like, okay, what's what's the app that's going to, and I don't know the answer to this, that's going to help that rep do a better job in front of the prospect, you know, with the prospect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think um, that the the easy thing that anybody can do with really just about any CRM tool that they that they're using today. It's just kind of using the CRM as a way to um, structure the conversation and make sure they remember to ask the right questions, right, and don't get distracted. That's sort of the eighty percent, um, you know, eighty percent of the battle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for most salespeople, you know, um, they'll get off message and go down rob- rabbit holes. And then they get get back to the office and the sales manager says, okay, so what about this, this, and this? And he's like, oh, I never asked those questions. Right? <laughs> well, is that, really, is that really what you would use CRM tool for? I mean, you know, people increasingly, at least based on conversations I have with folks, is you know, perceiving CRM, and I'll, I'll say this primarily about Salesforce, since you know, maybe it's more true at a, a larger enterprise customer, is that, that it's really just like this repository of data. But you know, now we're seeing these layers of tools being sales technology tools. They're being layered on top of that, uh, whether for sales development reps or account-based selling or what have you, that that provide a little more for the reps. I mean, now, you know, predictive analytics systems that sit on top of it that, you know, mm-hmm. supposedly help you, you know, determine who you should be calling when and what you should be saying and so on. Um, what do you see yeah. in your in your end of the market? I mean, so you focus primarily on the small and mid-sized businesses. Um, you've right. been in this business longer than almost everybody else. You know what are what are you seeing as the real trends in terms of let's say adoption even because <laughs> so often yeah CRM it's like a table stakes right for yeah. sales somebody yeah we'll get a CRM system but then they think that's it they think the job is done you know management sales that's all you need right right yeah no that I mean that's. And that's the thing that's uh, amazing about this industry with all of the technology that's come out. And like you mentioned, and some of the really cool tools that are now coming into the market, um, the, the, the thing that's always been the Achilles heel is, is still the Achilles heel. You know, the, the number one reason a CRM implementation fails is that the salespeople don't adopt it. And it's been about a 50% failure rate based on that from day one. And it still is today, you know, so where that's where I don't really think it's about technology. You know, that's the bottom line. That's the, um, uh, the, you know, 10 ton gorilla in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, the, people don't, I mean, is it still that salespeople hate sort of the command and control aspect of CRM? Well, I, you know, first of all, 
I think that's a little bit of a myth, right? Okay. I think I think that they, I think most salespeople, in my experience, in, in fact, I'll tell you a quick little story. So when we implemented Salesforce in the energy business that I, I was mentioning earlier, um, we had a you know small sales team. It was about ten guys, right? And we had this one guy who was, you know, he had been in the industry forever and he knew everyone and just had all these great relationships. And he always did probably 40 to 50% of our revenue every year. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The other guys were just trying to be like him. Right. And, uh, but he was an older guy and he didn't really, he was the one who was like, ah, you know, I'm not going to sit there at the computer typing all the stuff in there. So we went way out of our way and we hired a girl to, sit down with him every morning and go, tell me what happened yesterday. And she would go put it all in Salesforce. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so, you know, at least it worked so that as a team we could go and we could run reports and everything was consistent. Right. Because if we didn't have 50% of our business in there, it would be worthless. Right. Um, so what happened though, what was amazing is that, where Joe initially said that he said, man, I'm not doing that. Right. As soon as he saw what the other guys were doing with the tool, he comes to me and he says, Hey, I want to get into this and start doing what those guys are doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. In other words, the reason Joe was so successful as a top producer was because he was all about exploiting any opportunity that he could find to be better at targeting the right customer at the right time, knowing what to say, knowing what the strategy is, all of that. Right. Um, and as soon as he saw that these other guys were leveraging, uh, at the time, this was Salesforce to do that, then he wanted on board. Right. So my, all, my point really is just that I think that the fundamental failure is that management never really sells the thing to the salespeople. Right. They just don't understand how it's going to benefit them. And so why would they get on board? You know? Yeah, unless they're forced to. Exactly. Yeah, which is probably the case, as you said, in most, most instances. So what do you see with, with your customers um, you know, in your space? I mean, you were, sort of, you were a pioneer, absolutely a pioneer with, with SalesNexus. Now there's, there's more competitors. I mean, how do you position yourself, let's say, against a sales force when you're talking to a small, mid-sized company? How do you position yourself against some of the other perhaps larger players, you know, even Microsoft, um, with dynamics and so on. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think sometimes I think I'm kind of crazy cause I seem to always take the, the hardest pa- possible path. But what, what we've done is we've put ourselves right in the middle of the, you know, sort of the ancient war between the sales department and the marketing department. Right. Okay. Um, you know, often in large companies and in small companies, you know, what happens in the marketing side of the house gets thrown over the wall to the sales side of the house. And there's not a whole lot of back and forth there. Right. No, yeah. Yeah. Don't bother me with those marketing leads. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the, uh, the problem of course, is that when you in, in the technology environment that's out there today, it's been built to uh, sort of recognizing that fact, right? So you got sales tools, you got your CRM and other sales tools. 
And then you've got marketing tools, and the marketing folks buy the marketing tools, and the sales folks buy the sales tools. And sure, they have some ways that you can plug those things together, and information can flow back and forth. Um, but it's in reality, it's not all that seamless, and it's not all that automatic. And um, like you just alluded to, the you know a lot of times the the leads that the marketing folks are sending over to the salespeople have a bad rap and the salespeople just ignore them. And, uh, and unfortunately, um, what it does is it puts all of those folks kind of in the IT business when none of them really want to be right. 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 Somebody has got to be sitting there making sure all this stuff's working. Um, so there's a lot of challenges. Um, you know, what I see is, um, a lot of companies, big and small, that have invested in the the Salesforce and Marketo or Eloqua and all the really, um, you know, high end solutions. And, um, they're, they may have two or three people working full time just to run the technology, right? Support folks. Um, and they struggle to actually show an ROI on the whole thing, right? You know, to prove that it's paying for itself. So that's what we've done is we've, uh, we've put together, the basics of marketing automation. I'm not going to. I'm not going to claim that we uh, compete with Eloqua or Marketo, Marketo in you know in terms of features from mm-hmm. top to bottom because mm-hmm. we don't. Uh, but we've taken the basics and we baked it into the CRM so that a smaller business with maybe you know ten to a hundred salespeople and maybe they only got like one marketing person, one or two marketing people, and they're wearing lots of hats and they don't have a lot of time that they can use um, uh, marketing automation in a way that's just generic or organic to the, uh, to the sales process, you know? Um, and, you know, it's, it's a no brainer when you think about it, most sales organizations are terrible at managing their leads, right? Right. right. You know, they're just, they're, they're churning through leads every month and the ones that they don't, that don't buy, just literally get thrown over the side and forgotten about, you know, no nurturing or saying. And, uh, if you, if that's all you do is just take those leads and put them on some simple little nurturing program, typically it's going to yield a 15 to 25% increase in sales within six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. We've seen. Right. Uh, And it's just, I mean, it works every time it's tried. It's just, it'll, you know, salespeople, number one, you don't want them sitting down and writing your, your lead nurturing emails. Right. Um, so generally, yes, that's correct. You know, you want to, it's gotta be super brain dead easy from a technology point of view where the salespeople just kind of don't even know it's happening. It just happens. Um, and then you've got to help them get the messaging right. You know, um, and that's something that we've always done differently. We've, we've always, you know, a lot of our competitors will farm the, implementation work out to like a certified consultant network. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always done that internally um, because we know that really to, to get it right, customers need more than just IT help. They need, you know, marketing help. They need sales process help and that kind of thing. Okay. So that's something you can help them with. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like from a sort of product standpoint and maybe, maybe this is the wrong uh, contrast to use, but 
where something like, uh, let's say, an Infusionsoft sort of starts as a marketing system and they've bolted a CRM system onto it that I don't think most of their customers uses, is you start with the CRM system, you've bolted on some marketing automation and lead management tools onto Sales Nexus. Yeah, that's actually a great analogy. Um, Okay, all right. So a sales, uh, you know, a traditional sales organization that wants to start managing leads, maybe they're spending a lot more money on driving traffic to the website and they need a way to manage that flow of leads. Um, uh, Our solution is a great, great fit for them. If you told me you were a pure e-commerce business that uh, maybe had a couple or, uh, you know, a small handful of inside salespeople, then, you know, Infusionsoft is probably a great answer. Got it. Right. So you emphasize a lot in what you write about, about process. So how do you, how do you overlay a process onto CRM system? (laughs) Well, the hard part is just figuring out what the process is, right? A lot of, most of the customers that we talk to, just really don't know what their process is. Um, you know, part of it is just they, it's hard to, it's hard for anyone to take what they do all day, every day and look at it objectively. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and salespeople have the same struggle. Um, but once you do, and, and again, we, we, we try to help our customers with that. Um, once you identify what it, what the, what the process is, um, you know, it's really not that hard. I mean, you, you and I know that there's specific points in the process that you just have to measure, right? Um, you know, leads coming in and then how many of them are qualified. And then, you know, every business has some process they go through some dance that they do. Um, and, uh, you know, it might be, I qualify you and then I do a demo and then I send you a proposal or something else like that, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to measure though how many of the leads make it to each of those steps. How long do they stay, stay there? Uh, how many conversations do we have as they move through each of those phases and things like that? Um, so you know, setting that up in a CRM, really, frankly, in just about any CRM, is not that hard. It's really figuring out what are those steps. And how am I going to measure them? And and then back to what we were talking about before, am, am I going to be able to tell my salespeople that they have to put that in the system when it happens? <laughs> You're right. Well, what, well, one of the things that, that I get a sense from what you talk about, what you write about, and so on, is that, that and I, that's something I wholeheartedly advocate, is that is don't complicate things. You know, when you're putting your process into your CRM system, especially if you're a small, small company, mid-sized company, is don't overcomplicate it. You know, keep it simple and direct. Right. Yeah. Keep it as simple as you can. You know, again, uh, most sales managers, most business owners, um, they don't. They've never done this before, right? No. Well, they yeah they don't. They assume it's happening. Right. That's what I find with most business owners. Sales, yeah, I just assume that's happening. Right. They're out. They just do what they do. Um, So you can't. um, You know, I think it's it's it would be much better to pick one thing and just start measuring that, and see what happens. 
And so and, when you advocate a story, that first thing, I mean, I know what I, I would choose. What, what would you choose as the first well, thing? Well, you know, it kind of depends on the business, but I mean, for a lot of sales organizations, it's just how many leads are we qualifying, right? And do we know what qualified means, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just get that figured out. And from that, all sorts of other key ingredients to the process will start to appear, Right. Once, once I know what a qualified lead is, then I'll start to realize, hmm, I've got, you know, half of my sales team is forecasting big sales with customers who are not qualified, you know? Um, and so shocking. that just sort of leads to more things to measure. Yeah, I said shocking. Um, <laughs> they, what I find, yeah, what I would, what I find when I get... Yeah, work with a smaller company and they get on a CRM system and they've got the ability to measure, start measuring, you know, how they're perfective or efficient their processes is, you know, I love to start with something really simple, which is like, okay, how long does it take you to respond to a lead? Yeah. 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 I want to start, I want to start with one of those basic behaviors that you can actually control now that you've got a, a tool to be able to do that is to help people see what the importance of, because they begin to see very quickly the importance of uh, right. being very responsive in yeah. their sales. Uh, but so, along with you say, it just keeps it, it's a nice simple measure and it has ramifications throughout the entire sales process. Yeah, absolutely. And and you and I know that, that, that most people have no idea how fast they need to be with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it cracks me up every time I ask a customer about that they'll say sort of proudly, right? Well, we usually get to them within 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I laugh because I, I wrote about this with, uh, gave some examples once, this is several years ago, about a company that, that proudly trumpeted on their TV ads that we guarantee we'll get back to you within, if you call and we can't answer, we guarantee we'll get back to you within 24 hours. And I, I was thinking, Really? You're proud yeah. of that? <laughs> what you're doing? Yeah. And it was a, a pest control company. And uh, I, you know, I, when I had an issue and I needed to have, I had ants invading my home, I, I was calling a pest control company. Actually, I started with them because they were first on the list uh, on the search returns. And yeah, yeah, that's the message I got on the phone. I got it. And it's like, well, that's not very good, especially in this business, right? <laughs> I mean, people only call and they've got urgent problems. You know, not yeah. I don't think you know, I don't call and say I think I'm going to have ants in a, in a week. I'm going to have I've got ants now. Come come help me. Uh, so I called the next person on the list, you know, the next company on the list. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I mean, it it was true years ago when we used the yellow pages to find a pest control company, right? But it's uh, a million times more true now that we use the internet because it's you know I'm going to do my search for pest control and I'm going to go to the first site and I got, they got probably five minutes to start helping me or I'm on their competitor site. Right. So you, you had mentioned briefly that, so your ideal clients are 10 to a hundred sales reps. Yeah. Yeah. And primarily business to business, business to consumer, both. I mean, how's that sort of break out for you? B2B, you know, so we'll, we do work with some real estate firms and insurance firms and uh, mortgage brokers and things like that, um, who are really more consumer oriented, but for the most part, it's B2B. Okay, cool. So 
Craig, we move into the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is a hypothetical scenario in which you, Craig, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled. And <laughs> you, as CEO, are anxious for that to get turned around quickly, or the CEO is anxious for that to get turned around quickly. So what two things could you do your first week on the job as sales leader, VP for this company? What two things could you do the first week on the job that have the biggest impact? Two things. Well, I think uh, the, f- the first one would be, um, you know, get out and meet some clients somehow or another, you know, depending might be go see my biggest client, go see, go right along with a salesperson or something like something like that. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one would be, um, <clears throat> you know, I would want to see what sort of process they have in place. And maybe, uh, in a lot of organizations, the most straightforward way to do that would be, you know, show me the report that you're looking at every week that tells you what's going on with sales. Right. Um, so that I can see what they're measuring, what they're keeping their eyes on Mm -hmm. and, um, and then start to, and at that point you're going to know, you know, how, how much process is there and hopefully maybe where some of the bottlenecks in the process. Um, and you know, cause to me that would be the big, the biggest variable would be, do we have to start at ground zero building a process or do we have a process that just needs to be optimized? That's, that's really an interesting point about looking at the, the reports and the dashboards that exist because yeah, I, I've found that in several companies that have been called in to help out that, that yeah, they were just looking at the wrong information. Yeah. Well, they're looking at sales, right? <laughs> well, well, they were looking at things that, that really didn't have an impact on on improving the outcomes. Which, you know, it, it's it's surprising, right? It's it's uh you know, they're managing or focused on purely outcomes and not managing the process. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which is you know, in the the um the unfortunate thing is you know, one of the greatest challenges that businesses face in scaling up their business and their sales team is hiring and onboarding new reps, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what kills a new rep, right? Is there's no cookbook, you know, it's just here, here's your desk, here's your phone, here's your customer list. Uh, keep an eye on what Sam does over there. Cause he's really good. He always, uh, hits his numbers and, uh, good luck. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And on top of that, especially in smaller mid-sized organizations is yeah. The new person coming in also finds that all the good accounts are allocated to everybody else in sort of a disproportionate fashion. You oftentimes based on their seniority. Um, and so they have the new person never has a chance to get an account that, uh, you know, they can see what they're doing, how they're succeeding with it, that they can build off of. Or even an objective, uh, sort of picture or criteria to let them know what makes a great account. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So now, um, that's a good answer. So let's, let's move into the last few questions is you can give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. The first one is when you Craig are out selling sales nexus of service, what's your most powerful sales attribute? You mean personally or personally as a, when you, when you personally are out selling? Oh, well for sure. I've, I've always made, um, you know, 
good questions and listening the the foundation of my success uh, that served me well in all aspects of my life and uh, so in in really today at sales nexus that's what I try to to um, share with my employees with my customers uh, really when I'm when I'm working with customers and implementing our system one of the things that I'm talking about with them is how are we going to set the CRM up so that it sort of gives the salespeople a script of what questions to ask. And I'm not talking about data points like, you know, how many of these do you have, but more probing questions that really get at the the heart of things. Mm-hmm. And, and how's management going to measure and manage the salespeople through the lens of, you know, who's really good at really understanding the customer and listening and having empathy and being able to sit down in the conference room with the team when we're strategizing and saying, what really matters to this account is this, you know? Right. What I think for people listening in the audience today is, yeah, be sure to go to Craig's website. He's written a blog about exercises you can use to develop sort of that that questioning muscle and uh, developing empathy with with customers or demonstrating empathy with customers that's a good a good read so i'd urge people to go there and and check that out so uh next question is who's your sales role model that is a great question um you know i would say that it if i had to pick one person it would have to be uh dave blanchard who is um the um, the empathy master, you know, he's the Jedi master of empathy and asking questions. Um, if you've ever heard of the book, um, uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World, it's written yeah. by Og Mandino. Right. Yeah, exactly. So Dave, um, somehow or another, met Og Mandino's widow. And long story short, ended up managing the franchise for her and he's turned it into this whole coaching franchise and everything, um, which I've had the benefit of, uh, going through mm-hmm. some of his, uh, coaching and, um, he's written several books, uh, himself all about how to really empathize with other people. And, um, you know, you can sit down with Dave and he will sell you something but you won't know you were sold anything. In fact, you'll feel like you just went to a religious ceremony. Right. You know? hmm. Interesting. Okay. So uh, what's one book you would recommend every salesperson read? Well, the greatest salesman in the world for sure, because it's such a, it's not really just a sales book. It's such a right. parable about life. Right. Uh, and it's a short, easy read too. Yeah. It's um, a good book. And uh, I would recommend Dave's book too. Uh, to, today I begin a new life. Uh, it's a great book. By Dave Blanchard. Today I begin a new life. Okay, good. Yeah, that's, that's a new one for me. I'll, I'll check that one out. So last question for you is, uh, what music's on your playlist these days? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one, too. Um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Ray LaMontagne. In mm-hmm. fact, I have tickets to go to a show here coming up oh. in a couple of months. Nice, okay. And uh, I took my son to see Muse here not too long ago when they were in Houston. And uh, so I've been listening to them a lot as well. Excellent. All right. Well, that's both good stuff. All right. Well, Craig, thanks for joining me today. And tell folks how they can find out more about SalesNexus. Sure. Of course, salesnexus.com. And, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you can take, take a look at a video and see how the system works and start a free trial and use it for a month and see how, it, how you like it.
Yeah, and a lot of good blog posts that also have videos in them to, to help you understand how you might implement process into a CRM system and so on. So it's a good resource for people to check out. Well, thanks Thank again for, for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your morning routine, whether you listen to the commute, in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Craig Klein, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your sales. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.